So you were just running for school board in your region there in North Carolina. I did. I uh, I took the plunge and stepped up for political office, and I took lost. The plunge. You lost. <laughs> I lost. <laughs> it was a fun experience. Was it your legalization of marijuana in local high schools? It was. It was. (laughs) And instituting reading Mein Kampf for sixth graders. I don't know why that wasn't more popular. You wanted to get rid of all the books. Get rid of all the books except for the Hitler and the uh, the Marx. Marx and Hitler. Marx and Hitler. That's all we're reading. That that would go down well in North Carolina. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was it was interesting. a friend of mine a few years ago commented how our generation, people in their 40s and 50s, had not stepped up for leadership hmm. because uh, we had a point where the city council, I think two of them, had broken hips at the same time, and one guy was in the hospital. And, and oh. no offense to that, but it, like, no, there was no one who wasn't retired on the council. And that kind of stuck yeah. with me that, you know, if, if, if that whole argument, if we don't at least try, then you can't really complain. Well, there's certainly an argument that, you know, it would help be helpful to have one person who at least has a child. It, it's hard to say this because it makes it sound like only parents should run it, but sometimes yes. parents shouldn't run it. <laughs> they're, they're not objective. But, you know, yeah, if you're talking about only retired people. Well, now that was city council, to be honest, but the school board has, I mean, it it has had parents on there at times, but at times it's not. It's had a large number of... Re- oh, so you're talking about city council, you're for city yeah, council. Yeah, no, 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 oh. I'm sorry, I've confused things. Uh, the city council anecdote of we should step up kind of inspired me to, oh, at I that see, time, or, or later, inspired me to run for the, the school board, board of education. I see, I see. That anecdote, that converse, you know, a conversation with someone sticks with you, that stuck with me. So you're not going to drag anyone through the mud talk about the school board? No, no. It's, um, you know, the issue well, here... Well, Sally, she, Sally's know. a jerk, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is going out in the, into the airwaves. Yeah, I, 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 know, I know he went... I know those people were dead, like in the Batman Penguin movie. Remember Danny DeVito? <laughs> that's right, so, that's right. I know those people weren't voters. No, it, it was an interesting experience. I, I learned several things. One is that it takes a lot of energy to run for office. And yeah. also, a lot of people are very kind about it. They'll thank you. Uh, they're they're interested. They want to help you. Uh, people offering to put a sign in their yard. It also costs a lot of money. Uh, really, people gave me money, but the total expenses were probably eleven hundred dollars. Wow. Um, so it, personally, I contributed probably several hundred, three four hundred dollars to it. But um, wow. yeah, if you get a hundred yard signs, one color, that's about five hundred dollars. And then I got some T shirts. That was three hundred dollars. Uh, so it adds up quickly. I got some cards, a hundred some dollars, because I got my picture on it. You should have just bought some votes. I should have just bought votes. <laughs> Here you go, people. Uh, so a new respect for people that run, and uh, also yeah. realizing that people that are involved give money, and you don't get to report mm-hmm. that as a charitable contribution. Oh, so it really that. is a gift because you you can't put it on your taxes in terms of a tax break. So people were giving me money, trying to help and uh, putting signs out and there's a fundraiser. So it was good. It was, um, it, it was, it was interesting to step up and I'll, I'll probably do it again. Yeah. But, uh, but it's also scary because I mean, what's, what's ironic that, like you said, you want parents on the school board, but to be on the school board, you will therefore not be with your family as much. <laughs> so mm. it's kind of ironic. There's that old Animaniacs cartoon. Did you ever watch that? A little bit. And there was one with the dog that would have to keep the kid because the parents were always gone and they would have adventures. <laughs> and the yeah. mom would say, uh, honey, I'm gone this weekend to a better parenting conference, so um, I'll be back on Sunday. Bye. Oh. And she would just leave the little girl by herself because she was at a parenting. So there's a bit of that, but I know why people don't want to get involved because it's just a lot of time in meetings and people are mad at you for various reasons. Oh, always mad at you. Yeah. Yeah, or it's like Inspector Gadget, where Penny and the dog are always left while. Yes. Um, you know, Gadget is always kind chasing yeah. Mister Cl- Doctor Claw. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So it's it's that kind of uh, uh, conundrum of of stepping out means strangely not being as present as a parent. And, what's uh, the What's the timestamp that would have like? How often would does the school board meet, and how much work is it? 
They meet monthly, although I think they take a, a month off in the summer, maybe two months off in the summer, and then they're in working groups. <laughs> I thought you were about to say, they meet monthly, but they take a month off every now, uh, every month. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My office hours are 12 to 1 with an hour for lunch. So uh, uh, They meet maybe 10 months a year, I should say, on a monthly basis. And then there's working groups, like subcommittees that people are on. But then okay. they have special called meetings. And the issue here has been consolidating schools, which is a phrase for closing some schools because uh, we're we're a shrinking population and our mm. um, it, it's a it's a problem of financing that we're, we're getting less money and uh, it's it's costing us a lot of money to have this many schools. So that's wow. what the real concern was. And uh, because of those issues, my side that wanted to consolidate so we'd have more opportunities lost. Oh. And so, you know, that's when you play the Game of Thrones, <laughs> got to be ready to lose. So the irony is... Did uh, Tyrion got you? Tyrion, Tyrion got me, like exactly. Yeah. After I battled his... Uh, what is it when they battle? They have to, like, fight for... Have you read it or watched it? Oh, yeah. I've read it. I, I, I'm going to start watching it. But the problem is, it's, it's both the brilliance of the show and the problem of it. It The first season is... At times, it feels like it's word for word, just straight out of the book. Mm-hmm. And I have such a vivid memory of the book. It feels like the the show is going at a snail's pace <laughs> compared to the book. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I already know what's going to happen to Sean Bean. Hurry up. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. I might just jump into season two, but I also want to know the characters and their faces better. But I'm going to get there. But the guy, the guy uh, playing Tyrion is so great. Part of it is just seeing the performances oh, yeah. and the money. They supposedly spent... One and a half million, almost two million per episode. Oh, yeah, I believe so it. It's, it's I, a, I'm also notorious for if there's a show like Lost or Mad Men or any of these shows that take these, I don't know why, but they take these extended hiatuses. Mm-hmm. I always, when I could tell the show is so popular that people just feel lost for like six months or three months until the show comes back, I always have this instinct to wait until the show's basically over. Mm-hmm. Like I did this for um, Breaking Bad. You know, they had some breaks there. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. not going to wait in between. I'm going to wait yeah, like, now. When I go to do a show, I also will watch, you know, depending on how, the length of the episodes, you know, one or two, maybe three at a sitting. It's it's like I go full veg. You're <laughs> when definitely it's time to the binge. binge, yeah. 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 What do they call it now? Eye, eye guzzling or something like this? <laughs> and um, I, I just know if I'm waiting week to week, my attention spans is not going to keep up, even if I love the show. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, Breaking Bad, I, I worked through the first two or three seasons in about a month, but it was like I would sit down and watch three episodes or stay up late and watch three episodes or something. And it was nice because by the time I got to the end, that long break between the, like, the some point in the last season, they had the break where mm-hmm. it was like, like, ah, the agonizing break. Yeah. And uh, by that point, I, I, by the time I got there, it was all done and out on iTunes. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, back to the Board of Education School Board. I lost by five votes. Five votes. It was oh. very close. And um, I know. Leave it <laughs> There's to so me. many jokes. I know, so exactly. Many jokes. Well, the weird bit so everything now is electronic in, in sense of your vote is scanned and then it's put up on the Board of Elections, the State Board of Elections website. So on Tuesday night, everybody's just hitting refresh on their browsers. You could go down to the what here is the Stanley County Commons, which is where a lot of the county offices are, and they had screens up, and you could go there and watch the results. I think they were a little quicker. But they're basically oh. precincts are reporting, and they're inputting it into the computers on the Internet. So you can just sit at home and hit keep refreshing and watch the votes. So it was wild to watch. That's both awesome and horrible. It is. It is. Because <laughs> you it's keep you. going, keep going. And then yeah. my parents are texting me, you know, what's the results? I'm like, can you just, I'm, I'm trying to refresh here. You refresh too. Yeah, um, I, have a, I have a scene from like the 1970s, like war room where you're smoking and with a suit on pacing. Right. Like, I don't know, man. What's what's going to happen? And uh, there is, there's definitely some of that. But in, in that example, somebody would come tell you here, it's kind of up to you. It's like, well, I'll hit refresh one more time. <laughs> You're just sitting in your boxers, like yeah. hitting refresh. Yeah. F5. I got to go to the bathroom. Maybe something happened. <laughs> Nothing happened. And then Jenny's over there. She's hitting on her computer. And she's like, oh, they just updated. What? Refresh. Command what? R. Huh? Command R on the Mac. Oh, so, oh that's right. Mac. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have, yeah. You don't uh, hit refresh. Well, you know, maybe, maybe next time around you could 
buy a few less T-shirts and just have a dinner party. <laughs> Lobster. Get six people over for dinner, cook, cook, cook a lasagna. That's right. And you're in. No, I'm kidding. This isn't a fundraiser. This is just a dinner. Seinfeld has a bit where he jokes about the Olympics, and he says that he thinks the worst thing to win is the silver medal. <laughs> because if you get a gold, obviously, top of the world. Mm-hmm. If you get bronze, you're just happy to have gotten anything. You get to stand on the little podium thing. Yeah, and he says, if you get nothing, well, it's, hey, you represented your country. He said, that's silver, though. He's <laughs> like, <so> true. <laughs> you're like a, a nose away, like that's so right. close. That's right. So uh, you can't really say, but did, did it did it make you, I wouldn't say mad, but w- was it tougher to deal with because it was five than maybe if it had been a landslide with some incumbent kind of a thing? Or is, was it hard to say? I don't know. I mean, several other of my friends that were running kind of lost by larger margins, by thousands of votes. So it left me feeling like, well, I was the closest. In, in their sense. face. So, yeah. So I <laughs> I, I, um, so I, I kind of felt, I think it wasn't as painful as that, as just losing by a landslide. I think that would have been worse. But the other interesting bit is, so on Tuesday night, there was, we have the early voting here. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden that was up and I was ahead by 150 so I was oh. like, oh, this is going to go fine. And then all of a sudden it kept, as the precincts came in, uh, that that margin slid. And then at one point she was ahead. And then Tuesday night I'd actually won by three votes. But I oh. found out there were several hundred provisional votes where it's like they were gray area votes where oh, sure. somebody voted yeah, right. at the wrong precinct or whatever. And they didn't get counted till the next Monday night. So I kind of had a feeling of, you know, there could be – more than three votes that come in that changes this, that would mean she won. And if I won by three at one point, I can't complain if she came back and won by five. We got to get a reporter on this, man. That sounds like landslide Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> you know you, you know any of those stories about Lyndon Johnson? Uh, no. Like, like he was down or something, and then suddenly, like, after all the precincts reported, he was up. And the, the joke that I heard from some of my Texan friends is, that all the people that voted after a certain time all voted in alphabetical order. <laughs> it's just like suddenly a bunch of ballots dropped in. I think a lot of the jokes you see, like uh, you mentioned one or in The Simpsons where Sideshow Bob runs for election or something mm-hmm. and dead people are voting. A lot of those, like at least jokes, come from stories like Linda, Linda Johnson's. They call, that's what they call them, lands, landslide Linden or something like this. Because he rigged uh, the vote. <laughs> yeah, at least that's the, the or <laughs> right. someone did. Right. It's the allegation. Right. Well, the weird bit is people were congratulating me after the, the, the voting day because the local paper and others were saying, well, you won. You won barely, but you won. And I'd kind of say, well, there were provisional votes. It's not final yet. So the weird bit is people kind of thought I'd won and I thought I might have won. And yet, uh, six days later, it ends up that I lost. Had you uh, planned a ticker tape parade? I had. Um, <laughs> um, so now we're just going to do it when I get off work today. Just <laughs> 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 be a dog and one guy standing there. But, it, it's interesting, though, about technology. Um, I'm still amazed, one, you know, with our election cycle, that they're still guessing or declaring which city or which state or whatever mm-hmm. has voted for whomever. It's like halfway into the next day before they figure out who's actually won the election, but they're declaring it like at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And I'm sure there's metrics and reasons why. And they've got the polling data, too. Yeah, so I mean, they, and there's there's something about the system. I mean, Bonnie's all, with all of her background and like, research and demographics and uh, data, those types of things. Mm-hmm. I remember it was, like, so over my head. But there, there's some it's clearly hard science to if X number of – this side is voted on this this direction. You can just kind of project out. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why you see like they they study fifteen patients with this medicine. Therefore, it, it applies to everybody. Right. Like that kind of thing. Anyway, but so I'm su- su- surprised by that. But then you hear stories like this where you know you just hit refresh. Or we were talking about you know I was talking actually talking last night with a friend about a coworker his his wife's pregnant for this their first baby, and uh, we were just joking about. We were trying to figure out at what time in the recent past dads would have to sit out in the waiting room, mm-hmm. you know, waiting to find out about the baby. They weren't allowed in. And, you know, now it's like you're supposed to be a videographer of it yeah. you know, by your right, wife's right. side. Or, or or cut the umbilical cord. Yeah. Do I or when my daughter was born, just the technology that has rapidly increased. My first, my daughter, 
her birth lasted like 36 hours. It was first baby. She also had a ginormous head. <laughs> she had a she had a head from my side of the family, cranium width, and um, we don't like hats on my side, I guess. <laughs> but uh, so there's a long delivery, and you know, but they the stuff they were able to do just to, I mean, they had this just a little strap around Charlotte's tummy, and you could hear the baby's heartbeat. You could just hear all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. They were just monitoring it. Anyway, I'm just sometimes even I, you know, a, a late Gen Xer, am just blown away sometimes by tech mm-hmm. and how quickly things can evolve and change. Yeah, and one of the big divides is is definitely education in the classroom. And I'm at the irony of when I was going through college, the internet was just starting, and it was back when it was text before there was Net, Netscape. So the internet was basically, as I remember, a lot of chat rooms. Yeah, and that was like um, I graduated college in '94. So 93, 94 is when people are talk. we would go to the library and could log in to what was kind of the internet, but it was basically just a lot of people chatting in chat rooms, or at least that's- We still called it the World Wide Web. Called it the World Wide <laughs> Web, yeah. Uh, Netscape. Netscape. But back when, you know, I, re- I had, you had to register, I guess we stood in line. I, I don't even remember, but everything was by paper. Uh, grades were reported by paper and, uh, you know, by mail and- uh, Today with school, we've got a lot of college kids. They don't even have a mailbox. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of physical mailbox, they they can get one at the PO box if they uh, if they want to rent one, but you don't automatically get one. Yeah. And they're using Blackboard and they're registering mm-hmm. online and uh, their grades are online and they submit things online. So it's a the digital divide is is really real. That if you want to step in and teach now and you don't understand Blackboard, you're going to have a hard time. It's just so amazing. I mean, I, I can't think of in honestly the, off the top of my head. And this is just off the top of my head. Hey, that's our whole podcast. <laughs> that's right. The whole thing is surprisingly. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just gonna talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the only thing that I think that can compare to the rapid change is gunpowder. Hmm. Like just because you got to think, you know, martial ethos and conquering lands and this kind of stuff in the Middle Ages was big. You know, it used to be knights on horses. You know, they had the high ground. You couldn't knock them off these big sort of Clydesdale-sized horses. Mm-hmm. And they had armor and stuff. I mean, the peasant with a bow really had no, not yeah. much uh, in his favor. Suddenly, you could shoot that guy, you know. Suddenly, the 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 almost literally like leveling of the playing field, the horse didn't really matter as much. In fact, it made it worse because it made it an easier target. You're kind of silhouetted on the... That's right. That was the Civil War problem, right? Generals had to get down with the troops. But... Again, that's that's a pale analogy at best to the fact that you just said, you know, you graduated, you know, was it 94? 94 94 is college, yeah. So I graduated 2000 in college. And, you know, when I started in 96, my brother goes, hey, you guys going to get an email? I was like, well, what's that? Mm -hmm. You know, that's not that long ago, you know, kind of a thing. I got a a Hotmail account in 2001. And I was just like, oh, I guess I better have some way for the three people that actually have email to write me. Now my life is living in my inbox. And every now and again on YouTube, you'll find these clips of like the Today Show, 2001, 2002 even, going, guys, we have a new thing called a website. Like you can go to our website and submit a question. (laughs) No one's going to use that. Yeah, they're half freaking out about how silly this Mm -hmm. sounds. Now no no one's calling into a show. They're going to tweet their questions and things. But it's amazing how... I mean, you and I are not that old. We're older than our students in some cases. In your case is probably uh, very much so. Thank you. They probably think we're dinosaurs. Yeah, I, I think back to when I was a student and my teachers seemed like aliens. Yeah. They were impossibly old, so yeah. But, and if they were to hear us talking like this, they would think we were born in the 50s. Mm-hmm. But this was 15 years ago, you know. Yeah. It's like, it's actually amazing how fast that's changed. Yeah, and now it's everywhere. It's it's in our pockets with our phones and it's in, in the cars and uh, it, it's really developing everywhere. And yeah, I think you're right. There's certainly, people like to say change, this, all this change is different. Well, it really isn't. The printing press, the gunpowder. Yeah. Uh, we've oh, had yeah. seismic changes in, in the world history. I always, um, when I teach bits of church history, I always like to point to the, the popes in the 1500s. And on one side, they got Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation. And on the other side, they got the Muslims you know, yeah, Turkish, Tur- yeah, Turkish to the Turks yeah. are, are carving things up, and they got the printing press, and they must have thought, "Holy cow!" You know, yeah, my, this is well. This is why they clapped out on Galileo. I mean, the fight against Galileo always is always pitched as science versus faith. It's not. 
They're just clamping down on anything. On anything, because they are freaking out. Yeah, that's right. It, it, the only real difference now, you're right, about all those changes, it, it's just the rapid. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, have you ever seen like an old iPhone 1? Yes. <laughs> you know, which came out, what, 2005, 6? Uh, it there? was 5, I think. 5? Because I'm it looks like a it looks like a brick. It looks like yeah. a doorway, like you know, door stopper. Yeah, uh, and you would laugh if someone had that thing now. And that like that's the, the speed with which we normalize the new mm-hmm. shape, the new technology, whatever it might be. The shifts, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I find it. I mean, technology is always interesting. It enables you to do more, but it also means you work more. And and you know, you might think back to the copier before we had copiers. You just you weren't worried. You just couldn't get a copy unless you, you wanted to stop working. Yeah, you just you're <laughs> yeah. done. But now everybody wants a copy. And once you have a copy, now you've got paper. Well, where are you going to put it? Well, now you've got to file yeah. it. And so the copier meant, oh, that's great. I can have a copy of my mortgage. But it also mm. means, well, where am I going to put it? And now I've got this mortgage and I've got 20 years of bank statements. And what do I do yeah. with all the stuff? And each thing, it, it's kind of like someone gives you a pebble. Yeah, and, and so all of a sudden you're you're holding all these pebbles, and inevitably you're going to drop them. Or yeah, email. Right. All of a sudden, people have the right to kind of throw something at you at any time, and mm-hmm. sort of vaguely expect you to respond. Yeah, I got like two of these emails yesterday. I won't, I won't go into the details, but um, in case they're listening, but <laughs> it, people I don't know—not students, not mm-hmm. faculty, friends, nobody—just serious demands of my time, and. The YouTube thing, which I bring up probably too often, same thing, just demands that I respond to them because they happen to have typed something out. Mm-hmm. And usually it's like a, it's the troll. It's the two-page like type out like, well, what about this? And what about mm-hmm. this? And it's all this stuff. And it would take more time than I spend on a student's paper <laughs> to, to respond to this email that I can't, you know, that kind of thing. And it's funny. What's changed is, so you go back to, in my head right now, I'm thinking of Back to the Future. When they get the, the, hey, we got a TV set, you know, mm-hmm. and they're, they're looking at uh, the newlyweds. You know, and at, around that time, when there was only a few shows to watch each night, the cultural vocabulary, the pop culture of the day was, you don't want to miss it. Mm-hmm. Because then at the water cooler, you don't have anything to talk about. If you think about what's happened with the proliferation of access, now it's... There is this privileging of a more obscurantist knowledge. Right. More tribal yeah, definitely. So you'll, of course, all watch Game of Thrones, as we were just talking about, mm-hmm. if, it's, if it's amazing. But you also want to use, like, the, the obscure quote from the movie Friday, like, by Felicia. Like, it's just that no one knows about, but you happen to have just watched that on iTunes. And a, a student of mine works in youth. He had a very interesting point. He, he's, he was, he's been doing some reading on this, and he said, it used to be, what do you know? Then it became, who do you know, over the 20th century? And he says, what, what Google and tech has done to us is the really educated people are going to know what questions to put into an engine. And if you think about it, that's, that really is part of the brilliance of people that know how to use the internet is they know how to data mine the right thing. They know the right slight question. To ch- like, sometimes I'm looking for things that I'm not, I know nothing about, like photography. I don't know what the jargon word is, but how do you find it is you have to know how to ask the question the right way in a, in a way that Google can represent back to you. In, in a way that avoids the trolls and the ads and the, the stuff. Totally, you know, yeah. If, yeah, if you, it used to be with Google, you could, you know, before a lot of the ads and it came commercialized, you could ask and you would get... You, you, random nothing. Yeah. yeah, you random nothing, but you might actually find what you wanted. But now, you know, you yeah. might search for something and you're going to get 20 things trying to sell you a bike. Thing, and you're yeah. like, but I wasn't even searching for bikes. But somehow... Like you're saying, your query triggered a ad word sense thing for yeah. bicycle rims, and and now all of a sudden, have you, ever, have you ever looked up AdWords or any of the Google no, Analytics? No, I've for never stuff? done that stuff. It will blow your mind. I do this for my church now, and I know scary amounts of details, not about specific people, but about the aggregate group that comes to our church website. I know it's eighty percent women. Mm-hmm. It gives me a list of all their likes and affinities to the subjects that we talk about. I know every page that they've landed on and how long they've landed on it. And so I was telling my pastor, I said, okay, you and I think as seminary trained guys that we just need to do like something, the heritage of the faith. Like, so it's like, actually the number one hit is 80% of people. It's where do my kids go on Sunday right. <laughs> for direct children's church? And it's because they're not living on our site. They live on other sites for information. Mm-hmm. 
they more often are coming to our site for the data points as to what time do I need to be there? How, how much time do I need to get my coffee mm-hmm. to show up on time? Because churches have different times. So, but yeah, if, I, I would love, I'm not going to do it, but it'd be interesting to, over the course of a day, sort of hit a timer, like one of those chess timers <laughs> every time mm-hmm. I'm sitting at a at an engine, whether it's querying my inbox or my email or Google or something, where I'm trying to figure out the right phrase or the, the right what was that person's last name? Like the the way to find the information that I need. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a much higher number of minutes per day than I think I do. Because hmm. I'm always like, oh, wait, what is that? Let me Google it, you know. Yeah, our friend Simeon <laughs> asked me one time, he said, because Simeon's younger, I think, than either of us. He said, what did y'all yeah. do back in the day when you had a question, like say about a movie? I mean, what year did a movie come out? And I kind of paused and I thought, well, you know, people used to have books. So there was like Leonard Maltin's yeah. Guide to the Movies. Or you had the one friend who... Or you had a one friend, the, but it's yeah. like it wasn't an issue. You, you didn't yeah. really, because you couldn't data check it exactly without either having that book or you might call someone and say, hey, you've got that book. What year was that movie that came out? But you also just didn't think about it. You would just move on. You'd have a lot more debates where somebody who thought they knew would be like yeah. totally opining their answer. Yeah, and you had and no you, way you to verify. And now you can just search. I trained my students in that a lot. I was like, look, we used to think that people have a question, what is two plus two? And you're the pastor. You just have to get up and tell them the answer is four. I said, the problem right now is they can, from their pew seat or wherever, whatever style church you have, Google the verse you're preaching on and look up four counterpoints mm-hmm. <laughs> to the points you're making before you finish the sermon. And you at some point have to train them into, okay, what are the good questions to be asking? Right. You know? It's just, that might be a silly question. This might be a better question. It, what, so you have to get them more programmed into what is two plus two, not just giving the answers. Mm-hmm. Education has shifted to not downloading the materials. But you're right. It was, there, was, there were almanacs. If mm-hmm. you wanted to know what happened this day in church history, you had to pull the almanac mm-hmm. down. That's right. Now, I didn't have one of these. <laughs> these weren't, what's this new uh, DirecTV commercial? Have you seen this? The, the Settlers? No, have I haven't seen, seen that. <laughs> it's these guys who set, they quote, settle for cable. But it's like this Truman Show, like suburbia. But right smack in the middle is, oh, brother, where art thou ramshackled cabin? Mm-hmm. And these guys that are like tanning leather out in the, <laughs> and, you know, there's just all these jokes about what it was like back in the antebellum South or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, kids, you, you dig your shores. I'll let you have a lick from the salt lick later. You know, this kind Yay. of like real, yeah. Dad, why do we make our own clothes? The settlers thing. But. That's what's weird about the speed of this change is, you know, Simeon's not that much younger than us, but it still feels like, what did you guys do yeah. back then? How did you And the live? answer is, sometimes you just didn't have these questions. Yeah, it wasn't, because it, it wasn't possible, it wasn't an issue. That's an interesting point. If, if it's not possible to find the answer easily, do you ask the question? Mm-mm. Yeah, you just go, I don't care when that movie was made. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Now Amazon tells me, you know. Or back in the day. Back before there were planes or, or really boats, I mean, you didn't think about going to Italy for the summer. It just wasn't an issue because that would have yeah. meant a six-month walk, basically. So like Martin Luther going to Rome, it's like, I'll be back in six months, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Walk over the Alps. Ugh. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, you know, going on vacation wasn't an issue. But now all of a sudden, well, you know, Priceline's got it $150 with five stops. So well, yeah. we're going oh, to well. Arkansas, kids. Yay. My daughter did a, I guess it was sort of a living tableau. They had sort of a, or they called it a living museum. And uh, her character she had to study, do a poster on and dress up as, which was awesome for them. They loved it, was Amelia Earhart. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the first experience where she probably had bl- of having her mind blown where she says, okay, this woman might have been my grandma or maybe great grandma's age. But wait, they didn't have planes? Yeah. <laughs> like flying across the Atlantic meant a parade? What? Like this, this it didn't make any sense to her. I was like, yeah, it, it's, that was new. That was a new thing. Well, and with tech, in the, you mentioned tech in the classroom, which is probably why we always, I mean, you and I drive towards tech, but it, we don't, I think we'd both agree, it's not an end in and of itself, but we're happy with the new tools mm-hmm. we have. So I, I always mentioned, you know, my dissertation, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but you know, they have, they've digitized, they've digitally photographed all these pictures in the British Library, Cambridge Library, and the Oxford Library, and others. Basically, any text from 1450 to 1750, just to give two round numbers, mm-hmm. is digitized, searchable, and downloadable as a PDF. That's amazing. I, I could sit in my flat at Cambridge and 
have access to more materials than people five years previously suddenly. Mm-hmm. In my pajamas. Just, you know, I'm going to download the first edition of the King James Bible. You know, this kind of a thing. I found texts that had been lost because no one happened to walk across the shelf where that right. one book was sitting. They were, they were um, relatively obscure commentaries. It, it actually, it was hilarious. It was the, you probably heard the name Lancelot Ridley, the, one of the early Anglican reformers who got burned. Mm-hmm. Um, it was his cousin. <laughs> so it's like, his, it's like, his cousin wrote a commentary. Yay, good for you. He's like, he's like the Ringo star of the Reformation. <laughs> it's like, good job. Hello, everybody. Like, I don't think anyone's read that, those volumes until I found them huh. um, <laughs> just recently. But anyway, long story short, the access to that. And then you transition that to the classroom. Whether it's Blackboard, uh, Gordon Conwell uses Sakai. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, these softwares are just incredible. Like, yeah. they're usually pretty bad sometimes. They're not great, but like they could use some Steve Jobs level of intuitive mm-hmm. <laughs> um, programming sometimes. But it's amazing what you can give to students. No, it is, and I love having them submit papers online, and it'll kind of we use turn it in, so it'll it'll kind of look online for plagiarism, which is partly a problem of the internet. That in our day it was harder to plagiarize. I guess you could find a book, or in my day, yeah, you know, you yeah. could have gotten a book off the shelf and tried to plagiarize, but you couldn't just cut and paste like they do yeah. now. So turn it in is kind of a symptom of the internet, but it, it looks for plagiarism and does a really good job and you know can find all sorts of hits and things. And I can grade it online and then they can go see my comments online. So I don't have to mm. deal with paper or losing it or you know it slides under the, the desk and it gets lost or they lose it. Yeah. So everything's in there. Yeah. It got a record. So I love that. Um, uh, email is a great thing because in, in a lot of ways, like... It does have this sense of people can demand your time just because they sent yeah. you an email. Whereas in the old days, if you wrote a letter, you just didn't re- expect a response. And and yeah, I, if I wanted to meet with a professor, I would ask them after class when I could come by. Yes, or I'd or I'd look for their hours on the syllabus. Yeah, which I remember I always had to push pen up onto the board in my room so I wouldn't lose them because I wouldn't know how I was going to get another one. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and and now now yeah I've got students contacting me on Twitter and and Facebook and and that's that's fine that's great but it, it there is kind of an availability there you do hear stories I some of my older faculty that are even I mean these are guys that wrote dissertations on typewriters kind of a mm-hmm. thing you know they're even more gobsmacked I just occasionally hear stories of you know student emails at eleven forty five p.m. eight a.m. is incredibly frustrated that they haven't heard back yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just that, like, what, what are you doing? It's like, he's sleeping. Like, what? <laughs> what? Are you, or he's, and or I, he has a job. I've not experienced too much of that. I find most of the students, as long as you get back to them in a reasonable time, rare, yeah. I think it's when you don't respond to an email within several days, then, then all of a sudden yeah. you're thought to be unresponsive. And then they're kind of mad when you don't, I don't know. I find most people are kind of reasonable about that stuff. Yeah. But uh, the comparison that gets made today is when you get physical mail, it only comes once a day. So it's kind of weird with email, you're right. supposed to check it constantly and even have notifications going off, which I don't because drives, you know, a lot of people say it drives yeah. you crazy. You can't get anything done, but you don't check your mailbox all the time to see if you got mail. But email is this problem of you're, you're, you're kind of always checking or it's contacting you. And so now all of a sudden we're we're busier. But it's great to get emails, not have to deal with paper and so many advantages we have with technology. Did you use a citation manager for your thesis? Like something? Um, Classically, I I bought Nota Bene, Mm -hmm. then didn't take any time to learn the the (laughs) operating system, which anyone listening, they don't know. Nota Bene is basically if you take Word, like jam it full of steroids, and then add to that software that keeps track of all your bib like will download your bibliography and then in auto enter your footnotes as you go right. and then auto populate everything uh, for the bibliography that's i would say that's probably one of the hardest learning curves in the phd is mm-hmm. you've never had to do any of that apparatus stuff all your papers were 12 to 20 mm-hmm. like in seminary no more and the bibliography was like 5 to 10 citations i mean which you could manage my experience along what you had but by the end of the PhD, it's been two years since you read the books and the articles for that first chapter, and they're very they're they're less fresh than they were. You still know them well enough yeah. to say that you've mastered them, but I mean, you know, when you're reading them over and over again, you you know what page it's on, and you kind of you know. So I always tell my students that go on for PhDs like, 
just all you need to really focus on for the most of it is breadcrumbs back to like good, like have a good note taking system, whatever you do, mm -hmm. and get one of these softwares and actually learn it. Yeah. Yeah. I found it useful. I used one. Actually, I switched. I was using EndNote and then was having trouble with it and switched to Bookends that Simeon recommended. Yeah. And that's a good, great little software on the Mac. Um, and well, and, like into your right, Tom Wright says he uses Notebene for everything. That's why his books are massive, and huh. he doesn't have to proofread any of his footnotes or his uh, in his bibliography. And you, and in uh, Notebene, if you're writing something of like like he is of that length, you can index the subjects and the scriptures along the way. Interesting. I didn't know you could do an index with it. Yeah. Wow. I found in using two different softwares there. Um, EndNote and Bookends, it's never perfect. You still have to check because there's all sorts of weird things with books that it, it's in a series yeah. or, you know, it was a chapter in a book. And so it can get kind of complicated. Uh, so I just used Turabian, um, yeah. had had her nearby, N not the person, but the book, and, yeah. and, uh, and had to double check things. But yeah, it was great how it could provide, uh, the, the bookends could provide a shortened version because, yeah. you know, in the Chicago manual style, you, you give the full citation at one point, and then you can shorten it. And if you do yeah. that by hand, if you move that paragraph, all of a sudden, it's it's messed everything up. Oh. But your bibliography software can fix that. Yes, yes, Like, it'll right. catch it. I'm saying if in the old days, when you did it with a typewriter, you, if you wanted to move something, it was just a nightmare. Oh, okay. You know? oh, yeah, and yeah. so that's why, like we've said, older books have maybe two footnotes a page. Yeah. But yeah, the old this, days. Yeah, but this oh, you can just go tedium. crazy. Well, I remember uh, somebody saying like her dad had done a dissertation, and he had gotten his numbering off, and he had to laboriously white out the page number, white out one thing on each page for like two hundred pages. It was just right. like, and then once it wait for it to dry, then write it in by and hand. See, we don't have to mess with any of that, and you used to pay a, someone to type it up for you or to proofread it, and and all that's baked into the software now. But yeah. uh, there is a higher expectation about footnotes yeah. and, and things. Well, I'm going, I'm, I have a book contract. It's going to be a longer one, about 350, 400. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was nice. That, that was weird for me. We could talk about that sometime. Yeah, we should. The um, publishers, as not being the enemy, they actually want you to talk to them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they're trying to get pitches because they want books. I didn't approach them for like two years because I thought, oh, they don't want to talk to a, a kid, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So I'm, I'm starting to build that out. Got a couple chapters written. And I'm starting to rework in Note Bene. Mm -hmm. And you're right about you have to be careful with it. But what I realized is if you don't just sort of auto-populate like a whole library's worth of books into that system, mm -hmm. you don't have you don't run the risk. So I just do it one at a time and really laboriously make sure that I, I enter it perfectly the, the first time. Right. So don't just take Library of Congress because they might have it slightly wrong or something. But make sure that it has all the information I need in it perfectly, spelled right, all that stuff and the right edition. And I think that's what Tom Wright said, is, is if you do that enough, eventually you have your library, mm -hmm. you know, you can cite it the, right, the way you want it perfectly with one click. Yes, yes. This is just amazing. It is, and you can take notes in it as well. So you can take yeah. notes on the books in that uh, citation manager. And and so uh, I was doing that some too. And so I could flip over because I, you know, there's everyone has their favorite quotes from a book that, so I typed yeah. them out and then I had the page number so I could cut and paste and then enter that, like you say, click on that link and all of a sudden I'm done. And that, that's yeah. really, really amazing. Uh, what are you t typing it up in, the manuscript, using Word or? Yeah, usually what I do, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I usually write by hand. Really? I wrote my entire dissertation oh, that's by right. hand. Yeah. Not, not, yeah, not in some weird, um, yeah, I didn't mention it before, Uh but not some weird, like, you know, this this typewriter fad. Mm -hmm. like, That's, yeah. I got a Smith Corona. Like, okay. Like, it's just a loud clacking. <laughs> the keys are stuck. You, know? <laughs> you had a keyboard before. Shut up. You know. <laughs> eh, the keyboard hasn't changed. It's still quirky. But, you know, I didn't think I was saying before, like, I, I wrote by hand just to kind of make the creative process not feed the tech side of me that will, like, mm -hmm. Google every new, like, bell and whistle and plug in. But then what I used to do is, yeah, I think I, I have the first instinct is the problem with Notebene is it doesn't have a Mac version. And I'm not going to go with like, was it Wine Bottle or any of these emulators. Mm -hmm. uh, I just don't, one, I don't have a lot of hard drive space on my Mac, my laptop. But secondly, uh, it just bugs me that I have to kind of break Mac or, or add a second software to run the first software. Yeah, yeah. 
So I tend to use Word as the kind of go-to, pull it up to start typing out those handwritten sketches that I might have, a little paragraph here and there. And then I, that's kind of like a first work through of a more professional voice of something I'm saying. And then it's weird. But then by the third time when I'm moving it into Nota Bene with footnotes and things, and I know I want to keep it, it feels very polished. It's actually very rewarding mm-hmm. to not have to worry about the editing within Nota Bene. Okay. I've done at Word I'm very familiar with. So yeah, that's kind of my workflow at this point. Mm-hmm. I got frustrated with the dissertation. Uh, Word, if, if you do it as one long file, it's so hard to get around. Oh, it's horrible, so yeah. it's, So getting around it was difficult, and then I had problems with crashing and, and was worried about corruption. So I tried a couple of different software, and, and this, this is where we're similar. I have the tech bit, so a lot of people struggle with this. You're like, I, I should mm. be writing, so I'm going to try this bit of software as a distraction. From this new I, soft, this new plugin will fix exactly. Everything. Oh well, I have to, uh, you know, adapt it and then learn it and everything. So I oh, I need a new computer now. I need a new computer. Work. Yeah, that's the problem. And uh, the iPad, always, the I, I can type anywhere. I can Mom. type anywhere. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I'm just gonna watch Netflix. Yeah. Right. So I end up using something called Malel. It's it's made by uh, I think it's an Israeli company, and it it runs on the Mac and. I've heard of this. I think. It, it's really nice. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's really nice. It's not that expensive, and it is rock solid. It never crashed once. And this was dealing. Oh, with... you, you said that about Scrivener, and Scrivener keeps crashing on my Mac. Really? Well, actually, I, I'm sure there's. I just haven't looked up how to fix it. It won't open. It won't even boot up. So it must have gotten cor- it must have gotten corrupted somehow. Because I yeah, Scrivener is another one that's that's fantastic. Usually in terms of yeah. performance. Well, and uh, there's I, I'm sure there's some special way with like five keystrokes held at once to make it actually delete and then fresh install. Yeah, I think it's keeping some of the corruption when I like functionally delete it. But I'll Google it. Yeah, like, yeah, that should. That... My students listening to this right now are going idiot. You just have to hit this button <laughs> like or something. It, yeah. But uh, yeah, Malel was great, and it also gave me a table of contents on the left. And I think Word has that, but it, it's a little goofy and doesn't always work well. Malel gave me, um, you know, I, I could just click. I had like a pane on the left, and I could just click around. And so now, na- and there's mostly the, about navigation. Uh, just gave me a really easy navigation. Um, so that's the problem I think with a with a book or a thesis is you really need the bird's eye view, and it's very hard in Word because you've got there's just not an easy way to move around. When you've got yeah, 200 got, pages. Uh, the, only, the only thing in my dissertation that I got a little bit of pushback on was to combat that. I actually wrote my chapters in sequential word files. See, I think that's a good idea to have to have the chapters separate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought I had to think that way anyway. It was separate chapters. But, you know, I'd, I would have, it would have been a nightmare to have like one document and then I have to print out the one chapter for my advisor and print. 45 to 74, you know, this, mm-hmm. this like try to figure out which one's to print. So I just kept them separate. Well, what that meant, of course, is that the footnotes kept re- resetting right. every chapter. And he goes, I guess, I'm not sure why you d- d- didn't have sequential footnotes where like the numbering kept going all throughout the book. He said it felt like it felt like it was too episodic. I said, well, that's just a click and a button. Mm-hmm. I said, a, you know, word, I didn't want it to corrupt and, you know, yeah. Harry Carey because I <laughs> lost everything suddenly. Data is the other one that, that's sort of funny is a student of mine is a professional photographer. And he, to some extent, he actually had a thing where every uh, – he had one of these mirrored hard drive systems where it was like five redundant copies mm-hmm. of every picture he's ever taken. And it crashed. There's some, some corruption in it. And it, it ended up going to something like the NSA level, like some guy that was NSA that now is a company that could finally crack it. And he finally got them back, thankfully, wow. which is good. But he, he, there were stories of like photographers or others that like work in data. They have like, they're maniacal. Yeah. Like, you have, they have like a hard drive in their friend's house. Yes. And they keep yes. I've heard too. about that. Yeah. You back up multiple places. Yeah. I was almost that way for my, th- my thesis. Oh, I, Not I that definitely bad, was. Almost. And I had hard copies yeah. in case the file corrupted. Cause you, yeah, you, like you're saying, you, the file could corrupt. And even though you got it backed up, it didn't matter. It, it backed up the corruption. Yeah. So I, I had my wife sleep on the couch for a month, and I kept the files in the bed. You know, just <laughs> I, I slept with my arm over them, you know, just yeah. carefully. A good friend of mine in college had written a major paper, and back when we used to save them on floppies, which actually weren't floppies, they were the three and a, three and a half yeah. hard disks, but yeah. we still called them floppies. And uh, he had that, he had saved it, and he was done, it was on his desk, and he kind of tossed a big book on top of it by accident, Ooh. and it cracked it, Ooh. and the whole thing was gone. 
and he had to do the whole thing oh. over, and it was it was very painful. You know, that's actually interesting. Um, data, you know, with things like Dropbox and other cloud-based systems, you really, as teachers, don't get a lot of, oh, this died, or the the floppy got crushed by a book. Yeah, my, the dog. I, ate there were homework. notorious cases of this, like even uh-huh. like you're in the computer lab, which you still needed a computer lab back then. Yeah, and the the computer lab, you know, Microsoft ninety five breaks or something. Yeah, and you see, there were the professors then didn't believe it. Then they got to the point where they realized tech can really fail. Mm-hmm. But then tech caught up to the point where now it's it's kind of a rarity to hear that story of it's usually like I spilled coffee on my computer. It's not yeah. like there's no the drive died or something. And I get I wasn't some saved. of that. Some of our students. And it's funny how students are real good with Facebook and and texting, but they are not always <laughs> tech savvy. And so all they got to do is save their files in Dropbox or something, and they don't. Yeah. And then their computer dies, and they've lost something. So I have had yeah. some of that. But it, you're right. It's unusual. Not like it used to. Yeah, be. physical physical computer dies. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, the hard that drive. Still happen. But if it was in Dropbox, and I, and so I, I've tried to tell students, and and they're kind of like, "What's Dropbox or Google Drive or something?" Uh, it, <laughs> so crazy somewhere else, Grandpa. Dropbox. <laughs> yeah, I'm not dropping anything. No, no, it's just a name. Uh, yeah, and and Word is is infamous for corruptions and for corrupting files because there's a lot of data in the background. That's why Word files yeah. are, are bigger than a plain text file, and so and they every new every new edition doesn't read the previous one as well as it should. Right? You know, yeah, they are getting better though. Microsoft is better than they were. It is. It is. Uh, I will say. I, I agree with that. It is better and faster, uh, more stable. But uh, publishers want it in in a Word file. And so that's the yeah. problem with using Malel or, well, when I did the thesis, I just had to, I could just make it a PDF and it didn't matter. But if you're yeah, publishing, sure. yeah, they want it in a Word document. Oh yeah. The editor yeah. wants Word. And they want the chapters right. separated out. The thing with separating chapters with the thesis is moving, you didn't have to move chunks around because I ran into that. Like I took a part and put it in a different chapter. Yeah. And that would have been frustrating. I, the short answer is yes, I had to do that. I found it was very hard to edit something out. Like I had these like pet paragraphs I thought were great. And my advisor or I at some point would just say, that doesn't quite fit. It's, it's a good point, mm-hmm. but it, it misses the arc of what I'm saying. It's just like a, you know, it's like a Jeopardy fact just dropped in for no reason. Like, oh, and by the way, this guy over here did this thing, you know, kind of stuff. That's the problem with history is you can always throw out some nugget of like Indiana Jones lore mm-hmm. of something. So I've, I was like, all right. I, the way I got around it, I wouldn't cut it because I liked it. I created a separate file of, just, I called it cut passages. Yes, yeah, I had that too. And I would move things over. Scraps. And then I would like it better. Yeah, and then maybe that would become something else I'd work on, whatever. Yeah. I think one, I think a third of a chapter actually became, like sort of sprouted out of that move, hmm. was to cut something mm-hmm. and leave it. But something about leaving it in a file somewhere actually made me feel better. Yeah. Even though 90% of it I've never used again and probably won't use again. I don't need it. Right. But the, but that was hard. By the very end, I actually had to go to the point where I physically printed it out and read it slowly with a pen. Yes, I did that like too. 20, 20 times. Mark it up. Whether it was the blue light from the screen or something, I, my eyes were going cr- like crazy, always t- reading it on a screen. And then you know I'd wake up fresh and just try to read slowly through it. My wife would read it too. It was amazing. You can always find something. Yes, you know, always. Yeah, yeah I had a three ring binder and I had them in there where I could. Go through and mark and yeah, yeah. I th- so even with technology, at some point you physical, do do a little low tech. Yeah. You do a little physical, yeah. In the classroom, I do use an iPad and I really like that. I, I have an attendance app so I can take attendance and then I have my uh, notes for my class notes in something called Omni Outliner. I don't know if you've ever seen that on the Mac. I've heard of that, yeah. It's a really nice outlining application and they've got their own sync so I can do it on the computer and then pick up the iPad and run it on there. And I've got yeah. my outline, which is a lot easier for class. It keeps you a little more nimble. So you're not reading, but you have something to work with. Yeah. And uh, I also record class with a program called Just Press Record, which is what I was trying to use when oh, yeah. we started out our, the podcast. So I just use the microphone in the iPad, and then I can put that on Blackboard for students. I'm usually surprised by that. I, I have not gone to that as often. Mm-hmm. I think I feel like it would be arrogant, like, hey, I've recorded myself if you want to listen again. More likely it's, what did, I forgot, I, I half dozed off there. What did he say? Like, and they, Or they want to double down on a point or whatever. Or they're at their volleyball game and so they missed class or whatever. Yeah, it's so, how they study, right. Yeah. I would have probably killed for that over the years. Well, and the cool thing. There was always yeah. that guy in seminary that had the, the recorder down front. And I'd be like, hey, I can know, I have that? I know. Like, 
Yeah. Hey, nerd. Hey, mayor of Nerd City. Give me that. The, the one thing I, I really wish would speed up, it's not quite there yet, is a kind of click. I should say that. I know they're out there, but they're expensive. They need to become affordable. But you like click a button, and let's say you have a lapel mic. They have already tracking softwares for these little, like, for cameras. Mm-hmm. But let's say you're like, you're like you're a pacer. But it's like a, a eye on the back of the wall, but it, it has a good zoom in it. It can follow you, track you, and record you teaching and actually do the audio at once. And then it syncs it into one file. That. Like it, it, can be, it can be, it doesn't have to be, you know, 1080. It doesn't have to be like a, a movie quality. But, you know, again, visuals have increased in our minds. I and sometimes people would like to watch the thing back. As well as listen back. That's a cool idea. And I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure somebody's working on it. Because, yeah, it's got face tracking software. Because that's the problem with not having a, a camera person is it it's zoomed out too much yeah. or something. You walk, yeah, zoomed out, walk off camera. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it would have to and, – and it still – it probably wouldn't be perfect in terms of choosing how far back to go. Or But but I'm sure – Oh, it, they're pretty good now, actually. There, there's, there's a couple that are – Actually, pretty crazy. Machine that, learning, mean, huh? Yeah. Well, there's one where it's for like professional sized cameras, but the machine that you buy for it is pretty affordable, and it has like you know somebody skiing past, and you see that the, the thing just follows perfectly the person, like like it's a like there is a cameraman. Wow. And um, it, this thing's like it, it, it's gonna happen because technically when, when we're FaceTiming right now. Apple software is, or we're Skyping rather, but still, mm-hmm. if you're FaceTiming, it is actually following your face. It's, that's mm-hmm. why you always seem sharp in an mm-hmm. Apple FaceTime Yeah, that's right, that's right. And so they already have some of that built in, but you just have to have somebody capitalize on it. Schools are not going to dump, unless you're Harvard or something, they're not going to dump millions of dollars into all the software mm-hmm. to make this easy. But if you look at Yale, Yale Courses Online, you ever seen that? No. Go to YouTube, Yale Courses Online. They have this already for every single undergraduate Yale course just about possible. Really? I'm sure there's some that are missing. But yeah, you can go look up, you know, the senior scholar on British history. His entire course is on iTunes, you, it's on YouTube, all stuff. Harvard's been doing this as well. They're just putting everything out for free mm-hmm. because content isn't king anymore. You can get content anywhere. What's what's king is doing it with authority and a sense of professionalism that, that a Yale professor would bring, a Yale historian. Mm-hmm. But they're like, here, it's free. Take it. And they've actually their their applications, I think someone said, is have increased because people watch it and they get more compelled to want to apply to Yale, that kind of a thing. Wow. Whereas you know, in the nineties it might have been, I got the CDs, I don't need to go there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, that that's interesting. The technology is driving presence because the fear has always been that technology would divide us. And in some ways it does, because people can work from home and yeah. and things so they can telecommute. But in that instance, technology's driving people to actually go to a school, not just stay home yeah. and say, well, I can just learn it on my own. That's right. So. At some point, Yoda will be sitting next to you in a hologram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm just waiting for. Well, uh, here's to the future. The future right. is now. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Yeah.